stick to your plan. Anticipate. Don't improvise. Trust no one. Never yield an advantage. Fight only the battle you're paid to fight. Forbid empathy. Empathy is weakness. Weakness is vulnerability. Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Jeremy Fisk, joined by Lee Carlo and Shapen Hemingway. Hello. Uh, a couple professional assassins in their own right. Today we're going to be talking about another 2023 movie from another auteur director that we love. It is David Fincher's The Killer. Um, All right, so obviously, guys, we've been excited about this one, just like Killers of the Flower Moon, just like a few others that have come out or are coming out this year. Um. So, I guess let's let's get into it. Um, no, what's no, great no, about Fincher you have a, you is have, to have a brilliant question. That's the whole. He's he's getting again there. there. Okay. All right. Brilliant... Why are you so impatient? Sorry, huh? I'm sorry. Yeah. That's there's his brilliant question. Unbelievable. I'll, I'll go first. Yeah, go I'll ahead. <laughs> Tell me why Chafin's so impatient. Um. We, we've done a Fincher retrospective, and what's kind of great about Fincher, other than he's an amazing director, is he hasn't made that many movies. I think it's around 12 or so, um, this being the 12th. Um, and I feel like uh, filmmakers, you know, once they start getting over, you know, an arbitrary number, but let's just say like 25 films they start a little bit diluting the auteurism of their works only because there's so many of them. They start really branching out, trying different things. Um, Whereas, you know, 12 to 20 movies, it's easier to look at them as a whole. Um, So that's interesting. I kind of feel the opposite way. Like, isn't it easier to consider someone's, work when there's fewer movies well i just feel like scorsese or spielberg or all these guys yes it's easier to consider their work work but it starts losing a thread after a while oh okay Um, i I get what you're saying okay okay and i feel like with the killer you know i want it i want to and and you know this is something you guys can think about you don't have to answer this right now but i do want to know kind of where you slot it into um Fincher's work, uh, keeping in mind our, you know, you don't have to remember our exact rankings uh, from the retrospective, but wherever you feel it might it it might fit in now. Um, but I guess my my question is like, what do you think like thematically and content wise drew Fincher to this story? 
and really I'm asking that sort of in terms of his entire canon because there's a bunch of stuff here. So I feel like if we can start getting into that, it might lead to an interesting discussion. Well, I I think it's the main character that's the attraction. The, the killer played by Michael Fassbender. Does he have a name? Um, no. He just goes by the killer. Um, and I think, you know, he is... Um, a little bit of a Fincher type. He's very exacting. He has a, 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 a process that he sticks by. He's sort of got a very, um, I don't know, what would we call it? A very kind of like grim outlook on the world. It's like cold. Cold yeah. outlook on the world. And we know that Fincher is like this. And I've read a couple things or heard a couple things that you know, this is Fincher almost sort of making fun of himself. Um, I don't know if I necessarily buy that or not. I don't think Fincher has a sense of humor. I think he does. I, think oh, he definitely I definitely think does. he does, Lee. Um, but I mean, too. a lot of people talk about <laughs> yeah. how funny this movie is. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. But what I would say is that I think, you know, this this character, I think, shares a worldview that Fincher does. And... um I I was with our our good friend uh, Tyson last night, and uh, we um, got home from the bars, and of course threw on a girl with a dragon tattoo, and um, you know there's a, just there's there's so I, I think that that movie shares a similar sort of worldview as this character does, and he's cold and calculated, but he's also sort of a nihilist. I think in a way he doesn't really believe in anything. Yeah, I mean, I think the the draw for Fincher is very clear here. Um, you know, without getting into <clears throat> kind of the history of this movie, I think this has been something that um, he's wanted to do for a long time. It's based on a novel. Um, and then, you know, he teamed up with Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven uh, on the screenplay. So take that aspect out of it if you were just to say like okay take this script take this story why is Fincher interested and it just has so much that well hmm. actually now that I'm saying this I'm like I think on the surface the character is very much like what Chapin said it's just like it's sort of a surrogate for Fincher um, the way that this movie is made kind of expands on that but then that's fincher obviously doing that himself so it becomes a little meta um i just think this is perfect material for for fincher and like i don't want to get too much into my opinion but like and this is hardly the my whole opinion but it's this movie is kind of exactly what i wanted from him at this point like coming off of mank which i think is you know far more sophisticated and kind of a different approach for him I was like, I, I could, I was so excited watching this. I had watched seven right before it just to kind of get ready. Um, and I just think like, this is exactly the type of project that he should be making. It's this very like cold, like you said, cold, calculated, one track mind, very, very focused and deliberate and exacting and yeah, look at the world and the scenarios. And I just think that that is what Fincher brings to all his movies. And then he gets a kind of a, a literal character out of this one with it. 
Yeah. Okay. So I think I think I you know agree with both of you, but um, I I do agree. Chapin, this is sort of a surrogate for Fincher, but I kind of think the opposite in a way. I don't think it's about control. I think it's about the illusion of control. Sure. And how much this guy okay so we'll get to spoilers later but let's just talk about the beginning because this kind of is to my point the beginning of this movie is like 15 minutes of voiceover of this character of michael fassbender basically telling us his thought process before a hit how um you know calculated he is all the things he has to do keeping his pulse rate down how to deal with the boredom how to get enough food you know how to how to manage doing this in the 21st century you know all this stuff that we just hear his internal monologue about you know justification of murder that he doesn't really he doesn't make a blip on the radar um be thankful if you we never met and you just think oh my god this guy this guy just has everything is in control everything is ready and then he fucking misses the hit which I just absolutely loved. Like when he missed after all that. And I he almost, just goes, fuck. And he just goes, <laughs> fuck. I almost stood up. I was like, this is brilliant. And I think that is the point that Fincher's trying to uh, equate to himself. Because we all know that Fincher does 50 takes and tries to do make everything perfect. But I think he 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 even realizes, you know, you you just there's going to be the fuck-ups there's gonna be the the uncontrollable out in the world um and i really love that he's putting us in the mindset of this guy even after he messes up you ne- he never sort of doubts himself but we see him sort of screw up throughout this movie i mean he's clearly good at what he does but what the narrator is saying, it's, you know, the unreliable narrator, similar to sort of Fight Club. Um, you know, I that's that's where I sort of saw the interest for Fincher um, in terms of his overall, you know, canon of other movies and where this fits in thematically and maybe where he his interest lied. So I, I agree with that a hundred percent and but here is where i kind of wonder where the split is because and i'm trying to figure out the way to articulate this i think all of the things that you're talking about are things that fincher brought to this movie i don't think it's what drew him to it like I don't think a lot of this stuff was on the page. Like obviously the well, story I, I, and like the myths. I can't really. And I can only the... say based on what I saw. I don't know what. Right. Sure. But the reason I say that is because this this story, this script, like there's a lot of really smart voiceover and this like stuff like that. But like ultimately, like it's not that interesting of a story or a script. It's like pretty pulpy and simple. <laughs> But, like, Fincher is so fucking good at, like, bringing all of those things that you just talked about into it and making it so much deeper and thought-provoking. And I, I think that is all on him as a director and maybe, right. like, helping write the screenplay. But, like, 
so that's why I'm just like, I don't think that's what he, I mean, maybe he, cause he's fucking brilliant, like saw that potential and was drawn to it and said, I can do this with that. Yeah, so I, I, I know I, we're splitting hairs here, but yeah, I guess in the re and, and it actually is kind of point, uh, perfect for the, the point or the reason that I asked that question was because I do find this movie on the simpler side, you know, like I, you look at a movie like Seven, and it it gets into the sort of uh, the darkness of of serial killing, and there's there seems to be more depth to it than this movie. Like on paper, like you say, it's, Lee, this it's is, way smarter. Yeah, yeah, this is this like is just like pulpy. Yeah, but it, you know, I still do think there's a depth to it because of Fincher that. Um, I, I, I wanted to talk about, and I guess we can sort of discuss or split hairs between whether that was enough to elevate this movie to a higher level of, you know, that you really liked in terms of his filmography or just in general, or, or it didn't. Um, I, I don't think it did. Um, and I, but I, I, again, I always think these things are a little unfair. Um, did you guys ever see that movie? I think it's called, um, it's a Soderbergh have movie. have to be more specific. It's this, I know. It's a Soderbergh movie um, <laughs> with, actually, Traffic. Fassbender is in it. Out of sight. Um, and it's like an assassin played by Gina Carano. I forget what that's called. Oh, I know what you're talking, I know the movie you're talking about. It's, yeah. It's one word. Yeah, it's one word. Um. You'll look it up while I start talking about it. But it, it, this movie kind of reminded me of that. Starts with a C. It's like Haywire. Haywire is what it's called. Haywire, yeah. yeah. It starts with a C, like and, I said. And, you know, had... I always like to... Comp- I always feel like there's... I always want to co- feel like I want to compare Fincher and Soderbergh. I think because, one, they're friends, but they have a little bit of a similar mindset. And I think that they they kind of work in similar ways. But obviously, we, as we've said, Soderbergh is much more, like, wants to work and puts things out much quicker than than Fincher and had this been like one of three films over five years I think I would be okay with that but we've waited what three years for this film from the last one and I think it's like totally elevating the material and very and a very interesting film um but yeah like I I expect a little more interest from something a little more substantial substantive from Fincher and this didn't deliver. That isn't to say that I didn't like this movie a lot. I did. Um, I found it. I found the ending to be extremely anticlimactic. Not sure what they were going for there. Um, But again, like uh, a movie that's like, like the sum of is better than the sum of its, or or, sorry, the, the, the parts are better than the, than it's some. Yeah. And uh, a lot of great performances. Some really, excuse the, the the term some really killer scenes um in particular that fight scene i don't think we've seen fincher do anything like that before um the sort of uh fight scene with the brute uh yeah. all right well we'll, we'll get to the individual right. scenes lee what did did you agree with chapin a hundred percent i had almost the exact same feeling like i really liked this movie but it just felt and like still like it feels thin to me and like you were talking about our Fincher list, and it's like unfortunately, definitely on the bottom half of Fincher movies Absolutely. for me. But like, but it, it's like to me, it's like so much more rewatchable than 
like Benjamin Button or something. Like, and forget about like the length and stuff. Like, I, I, I enjoyed it so much more. But there's just not enough substance here. And I think Seven is the perfect example. We don't have to keep going back to it, but like it is the same writer and the same director, and you are dealing with like serial killers essentially. So the subject matter is even similar. And like Seven is just so much smarter and more sophisticated and like deep. And like Fincher seems like he just like dug into that script so much more and like got to the very bottom of every single little itty bitty character and motivation. And here it's just like okay, I got this really, like, great character that is, like, has a similar mindset of as me in a different profession that I can use so efficiently. But, like, I'm not going to bother with really, like, anything else here. Like, we're supposed to buy after that first 15 minutes in those in that voiceover that he's got this, like, love interest that we know nothing about that he goes on this fucking revenge tour for. Like, I don't buy that. But even if you do, that's a MacGuffin. Like, fine. Like, I just felt so, like, paint-by-number storytelling. Well, I disagree I disagree for Fincher, that. whereas, like, this, everything that he does in the movie as a director is so good, and he <laughs> elevates every aspect of it and every scene of it, but I don't think it's enough, totally. I, I mean, I, I can kind of understand what you're saying by paint-by-number because we could just kind of go from scene to scene to scene, and it's laid out that way, but it's not paint-by-number in the way that this is directed and... No, the put, direction no. put on screen for us. The story is pain. The story is just simple. Like yeah, it's just but there's not nothing wrong. There's no, nothing story. inherently wrong with keeping the story simple to get a hitman and then a revenge. I mean, that sounds great. And um, but Fincher has done so much better, even like in times when he has simple stories, like Panic Room, for example. He does that's simple. Yeah, but he does so like that is to me so much more interesting. Like, and maybe that's because it's so contained and that's what makes it interesting. Like, there's also, like, the like the John Wick assassin world element of this that I just well, here's, don't buy yeah, here's my, in a movie like this. My two cents. I, I agree with both of you, and I'd probably rank it similar. And except for I really, really wanted to like this movie after I saw it. You know, not just the concept of it. Like, after I saw it, I was just really kind of going through it and trying to justify to myself, uh, why, why is it a lesser Fincher movie to me? Because it is super cool. Um, <laughs> Fastbender. I mean, it's a Fincher movie that's super cool about an assassin on a revenge tour that a, has, yeah, has a great performance that has a great that has a great performance and has a lot of depth to it all these things and i'm like what what am i missing here why is this not my easily my favorite movie of the year and i think especially after you you started comparing you know talking about these other movies lee i think what what we're missing is the humanity of it because seven has the relationship between brad pitt and morgan freeman um and even gwyneth paltrow and and even gwyneth paltrow yeah yeah um like you said, his this this movie gives this movie couldn't have like it, the problem is it couldn't have it both ways. He keeps talking about having I forget the word he uses. It's not empathy. Maybe it is empathy. Yeah, it is. No, yeah. Empathy is weakness. Yeah. yeah, he keeps talking about having no empathy. So it's harder and harder to have empathy for him. And then you see it, Fincher gives you a brief, brief window to uh, something you're supposed to feel empathetic about him for, but. It doesn't. It's not enough because there's no 
interaction. There's like yeah. literally five minutes. So the rest of the movie, you're following this super cool character doing super cool things, but it's not enough because you just don't have the humanity to it. Yeah, he spends a whole movie saying, you know, no empathy, empathy is weakness. But then the whole movie, the whole his whole journey is based on his empathy which for is, a character we don't even see. Which is fine, which, yeah. The problem is... And you can see that on paper being like, yeah, okay, here's the here's the flaw in this character, but it's yeah. just not revealed. Yeah, it goes back to my first point about the unreliable narrator and the illusion of control and all that sort of stuff, but like you said, we don't care. We don't have enough as an audience to latch on to with that. Um, and I think, I think that's where well, the problem I, is. I, I thought for a good portion of the movie that the woman that was, you know, injured that he is goes on this revenge for was his maid. <laughs> well, that was just racist like of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was just because she's Hispanic. Like, yeah. Why no, is the maid, why is the maid was, such a big plot? There was something else that, that was in the movie that made me think that. But but yeah, a little bit racist. Um, um, all right, so let's get let's. Uh, I think we all kind of feel the same on this, which I'm a little. I I thought Chapin was gonna love this. A little disappointed that there wasn't. Why? Is it more? I don't know. It's just it's it's just screams Chapin to me. Um, all right, let's start. Let's. Uh, what was your? Let's start going by section to section. So basically, in this movie, after. After he fucks up the kill, uh, people come after him in his house in Dominican Republic. They end up hurting his, I guess, maid, um, and uh, he gets he takes he takes that really personally and tr- tries to track down everyone involved um, and one by one kill them. I believe the first person he kills, <laughs> which makes him really kind of an asshole, is just the taxi driver that happens to bring the guys over to his house. Um, that was, you know, let's we'll we'll pass by that, and then I think the next one is he goes to New Orleans, right? Does he go to the lawyer? Oh no, he, go he goes the... he goes to the lawyer. You're right, the lawyer next, which right. is yeah, which is in and New they're, Orleans. They're all broken up into chapters in different locations, right? So um, he goes to the lawyer who was the guy that set up the hit originally, and I must have leaked his information to whoever tried to kill him. Um, I mean, again, scene by scene, like you said, Chapin, so impressive. Uh, that whole scene of him shooting him in the lungs with the uh, with the, the nail, gun. nail gun, and and here again is a point where he kind of fucks up. He's like, "You're gonna die in like six to seven minutes if you don't tell," and he dies immediately. <laughs> I actually really liked that the scene just following that when he when he kills the. Um, All right, we should say we're getting the into lawyers, spoilers. Yeah, when he kills, well, he kill, he kills everybody. Yeah, when he kills the the lawyer's secretary. secretary. Yeah, um, and like, I there's a bunch of these like, you know, he doesn't really have empathy for, her, but she says like, I can't just go missing, like I can't just disappear. I have a family and stuff, and so he like makes it look like she just fell down the stairs and yeah, broke for, her neck for like life insurance, I think, right? Um, and so. I like when How like there's these little uh, that that's bits. pretty empathetic I would say. That's what I yeah. mean. Like that's a, a little bit of empathy. But then there's also these like really smart things throughout when he's he's like repeating his voiceovers and like his mantras and they like are constantly being interrupted. 
by somebody coming in and like that scene that Chapin alluded to with the fight, the guy just like comes in and interrupts his, and it's just like all about like, is his mantra really anything? How substantive is it? Does it mean anything? These but rules I don't that think he it, lives by. I don't think it does. I think it's all bullshit. That's kind of the well. That's point. why it keeps getting interrupted. That's yeah. what I mean. That's my yeah yeah. Um, and I and I like that. And and it happens in all of these scenes. But my problem is that like, like he doesn't learn anything from that in this movie. Like, there's no there's no growth in this character. He just like continues his com- and completes his mission. So, like, all of these things interrupting his mantra and saying that it's all bullshit and you can't actually live like this and, like, do this doesn't end up meaning anything. I yeah. mean, that's kind of how... I mean, we what, like, what is this film saying? That's what I... I mean, I, like... <sighs> What's wrong, Chapin? Well, what, ha- what happened well, it's just, it just It just seems like... Uh, so Tyson called this diet Fincher, which I thought was a, a nice, uh, a nice term for this, but like, I, yeah, I just, I think there's, there's all the elements of him in here. There's the, the stuff that I love about him, like how, you know, the, the guy is, uh, the killer is, is sort of living out of a, a, a debunked, we work facility across the, yeah. you know, there's like little things like that. Um, and I love, and a I love lot that of, he like uses Amazon and like th- those type of things where yeah. um, it feels very of this time period. Like I think like Fincher's always very good about making things feel of their time. Um, but well, I think he's also like commenting on how impossible it is to get rid of corp- like corporations no matter what you do. Well, that yeah, it's interesting because that we obviously that we work um, – you know place was was abandoned and you know just i think like the week that uh the the killer came out we were uh, announced its bankruptcy <laughs> but um no i just like i love like like all of it is here and like the scenes are like everything all the little mise-en-scene are here everything is there it's just like it just didn't amount to anything yeah like what was this movie trying to say? What was it? What was Fincher tra- talking about? Like I feel like he, I feel like he made his most personal film. And this is something I've always kind of thought about Fincher that he, despite being you know extraordinarily confident filmmaker, he does kind of like he he and and I've always thought about this that like from my own perspective my own work like you know, I feel every time I make something I like I want to do like the exact opposite the next thing I do right like I hate what I what I've done and I want to make something totally opposite and I feel like I feel that in Fincher you know like he makes Fight Club where there are 200 locations and he has this quote that he's uh he felt like his entire experience on that film was watching people load and unload trucks, right? Cause there were so many company moves, which I certainly just finished a movie where or a, a, a commercial where we did just that moved a lot. And then he makes panic room, which is set in one location and it's complicated for a whole nother reason. But I think, you know, Mank is this like totally, you know, I completely, 
I mean, I don't know if personal is the right word, but like something very important to him, like his father wrote it and it's realizing this kind of family dream and it's about Hollywood. And um, I don't know, like, uh, so this, this, this feels like an appropriate sort of step in the different, in a different direction, like kind of not very personal and, and, and a little, a little, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A, l- a little removed from, from, you know, sort of the, Im- the importance of, of filmmaking and the things that I think we've seen Fincher do in particular with Mank. But I think in the last couple movies that he's made that just feel like, you know, they're, they're trying to say something. And I don't think this movie, I, I, I don't know what this movie is trying to say. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that it is, I don't know, I'd have to think about it. Maybe maybe you guys have a thought. Is this his least substantive movie? Um, I mean, it depends on how much you want to get into it, I guess. Um, but, you, you know, I don't think, I, I never really liked the game. So, you know, I don't think. I think that has more to, still has more to say, though. Mm-hmm. Like, this to me felt yeah. like a. Felt like a Netflix movie. Like it doesn't have as much to say in a broader sense um, than or than all his other movies. Maybe other than Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which isn't really his work. But it, it, it but like, yeah, but that's deeper in terms of just like like family and relationships and lies and deception and like all that stuff. So like, <coughs> I think that movie leads is so somewhere. underrated, especially by you guys. Cause I had to sit that podcast out, but um, well, Chapin, have you seen, you never have seen the Swedish. Version. I heard it's really not very good. No, it it's is. very good. It's good. Oh. It's really good. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I want to, I do want to get to and talk about that fight scene in Florida. Um, awesome. Wow. That was pretty cool. Just like it was I didn't a little know he was um, capable capable of yeah, that. Yeah, it was, was a lot kind of handheld of in this jarring. Movie. Yeah. Like I was like, what's happening? This doesn't look like a venture movie. It was just so up close, like I can't really think of a fight scene that I've seen that was that sort of intimate before. Um and I think that's what made it so sort of spectacular is you you felt like the the space was small and the people were big and you felt like you were right there um feeling yeah. every every blow yes i mean he the his opponent certainly was very big i think fastbender is kind of a small little lithe person and you know he's obviously well trained and um persistent but like boy what a good scene my only um my only criticism with fastbender maybe is that he, he inherently might have been too interesting for this character because he had to sort of tamper down his you know charisma or star quality to play this character this character is supposed to be unforgettable be able to just move wherever he wants dress up as a german tourist like you know I, be unnoticeable and it fastbender is is almost too interesting for that and i think that would be my only he you know he did 
monotone his personality for this for sure but i don't know i don't think he got all the way there i don't know so if the casting know that, was off for that i don't know that fin- uh, that fincher that fassbender is does have like that movie stardom thing for me like i thought he fits perfectly like, i mean he hasn't been in a movie in t- for, for four years until this year he's in the killer and next goal wins like his last movie before that was dark phoenix um, well, maybe movie star is not the and right then, description. Um, but but he still, I still found him. Uh, I still was drawn drawn to him, and I don't think I that liked was him inherently more this, the 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 idea. I liked him more as the movie went along. I, at first, I was just like, "Is this kind of, is this performance a little too one note?" But then I don't know. I just really started to like it and just. I, I, there was like these moments of like humor that he kind of infused that I think he does really well. This very dry humor, um, just like when he misses and says "fuck" and then he gets on the bike. He's like, "So this is new." Yeah, I, like I found him kind of hypnotizing and very magnetic, which I don't think he's supposed to Mag- be. Magneto almost. <laughs> um. You don't think he's supposed to be? I don't. I think he. I think the idea is that he's supposed to just be lo- like sort of lost to the world. Like you don't. Yeah, that's interesting. You don't notice him. Like mm-hmm. he so, can walk in and out of places and Jeremy, never. Who would you? Who would you have in mind for this role? Um, mate. I know it sounds like it's only because he came to my head and we were talking about it, but maybe Edward Norton. Um trying to think who else i think norton's way more i think he would be way more like i mean i can see the comparison for sure but i think he's more likely to stand out yeah he might not be the perfect one but you know i was on the spot i think he'd be an okay one um i'm just trying to think of somebody that's sort of that's a good actor but just you know blah paul giamatti Except for in like you know you could be a set an assassin. <laughs> It'd be so distracting if it was Paul Giamatti <laughs> waddling around. I think Norton's a good pick actually for what you're talking about. I don't necessarily, yeah. necessarily agree that that's the right way to go, but for what you're trying to achieve with that character, I think that's a good. You know, Norton is not. I don't think you know. I don't think Norton's like. You know, he's handsome, but he's not. Fastbender, he's not walking no. around with a nine-inch cock or whatever, and so well, that's you know, you can just feel the the nine-inch cock energy. I think, yeah, yeah, big, 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 big dick, dick energy. energy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think one of his best, you know, casting moments, and we've talked about it, is is Ben Affleck and Gone Girl because he just oh, another big dick moment in that one. Just that works. that would have been an interesting. Um, that would have been an interesting casting. Here, I do. I, I feel like Ben Affleck's too He's handsome. Way too big of a movie star, though. Yeah. Um, um, the thing is, I, 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 I almost felt like I. So, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember the sequence of events. But at one point, Fincher was attached to Steve Jobs, and I don't know if it was Fincher who <clears> brought, <throat> who kind of connected with Fassbender on that film, and then Danny Boyle took over, but. Um, that would have been quite the quite the pair up on that film. Um, yeah, might might not have been quite as. Uh, I mean, not that Jobs is 
like has a light shined on him in that, but I think even Fincher would have tore him down a little more. But I know we're we're not allowed to talk about him, but maybe even he might be too old now. But Kevin Spacey is the assassin. Mm. Yeah. No. What the? F- what are you talking about? Just like the a normal looking dude. I think Fastbender was perfect. I do too. I think he was really good. I think he was really, really good. I I think he was really good too. I just, the only part I found is that he, he was maybe too interesting for the character that's supposed to be. But, um, so I think that's a little bit of the contradiction of the movie. Like, and that's not, and, and maybe that is the fault of casting or whatever. Like, I don't like, he talks about how he's just like, part of the job is just like blending in. He, he dresses as like this German tourist and stuff, but like, that's never actually like part of the movie. He never has to like hide in plain sight. Well, he does make that point that in the, in, you know, in 2023 or whatever, you can't, it's impossible to hide anymore because there's cameras everywhere. So the best you could do is be unmemorable. Right. Um, what do you think? what do you guys think of the constant voiceover? I mean, that's the movie. It felt very Fight Club to me. Interesting. Yeah, enough. it totally yeah. works, but I, I feel like it's a you know wor- worthy point to discuss because it is wall to wall voiceover. We're only in this guy's head. Yeah, and I and I love how it's not just the voiceover; like the sound design is is excellent. Like the use of how, how the way the music is used, how when he has his headphones on, if it if we're looking at something from his point of view, that music is louder as if it's like in his in his ears and then when the shots on him it quiets down because it's in his headphones and we can't hear and like all that stuff to like make sure that we always know that we are seeing all this from his perspective i think is done so so well yeah no it's it's technically a a, an achievement for sure and that's the thing that's frustrating for me because like this is i think just as like a like you know 50 years from now is like a relic of Fincher. We can say like the killer is a great example of like how good a work he does, but it's definitely not the movie you tell people like, this is what you watch if you want to see Fincher. Yeah. All right. Well saying that, where does this, uh, this rank for you guys like bottom five at this point, or does it, it does it get above that? I'd say bottom, I mean, it's definitely bottom half. I'd say bottom three for me. Wow. So you're talking like, I forget what your three were, but so it's what? like Alien Three, but Benjamin Button, the Killer. Um, yeah, I mean, and I and I recently rewatched Alien Three, and you know, um, liked it more. Yeah, I would say it's definitely it's above Girl Dragon Tattoo. It's above oh, come on, Curious that, that... Case of Benjamin Button. It's above. The game, it's above Alien Three, so I would say it's five. Why don't why don't so for why me, don't you guys like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? I like it fine. I the Girl with Dragon Tattoo is so Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the game, and the Killer are those those three are kind of that's the collection of movies wherever that was on my list. That's where it is for me. I did like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Chapin, and if you listen to the podcast that you weren't on. When we discussed it, well, and then I, the retrospective when we discussed well, I, it again, I edited it, so of course, you know me, just like you know, keeping everything together. But yeah, okay, continue. You edited our Fincher Girl with the Dragon Tattoo Pod. Yeah, 
Why would you have done that? Because I stepped out so that Tyson could be on it, and then you guys sent me the files and I edited it. But this was 2011. You weren't on the podcast back then. I was. I was. Anyway, um, it's just we had we've seen that movie before. That's all. The that was the biggest problem with it. Okay. Um, but I, you know, that's one I'd be happy to revisit. Um, but yeah, I think it's in that category for me. Um, it's just it's just a thin movie. It's and you know, the, I I just want to make it clear. Like to me, I agree. I think it's thin, but I think it's thin in comparison to other Fincher movies. I still think well, it's yeah, better than yeah. If, if this were a Soderbergh movie, you'd be like, hell yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like that. That's why I said we were talk, kind of talking about something else. But like to me, it felt like a just a Netflix movie. And if like you were just like perusing, well, and this was just like, that's, I think that's unfair. If you went and this was like the number one movie on like the Netflix top ten movies, but it wasn't a Fincher movie, and you watched it, you'd be like, "Fucking awesome!" But I think I I don't want to just like reduce it to it's thin in comparison to other Fincher movies. It is thin. It's thin in comparison to a lot of other movies. Yeah. Um, I think it's I think that is uh, amplified because it is Fincher, and we're used to much better from him but i also still really liked it i did too i did too it was fun i mean i I, i'd like to watch it again all right i feel like if i were to rank us i'm the highest on it lee's middle chapin's the lowest Mm. i'd say i think lee and i are about the same place um i do too any other notes anything we've missed that you guys want to talk Um, about I mean, we were talking about the scenes and stuff. Honestly, that opening oh, scene to me was was my favorite scene of the whole movie. Oh yeah, like I Definitely. thought it was so what do you, what fucking do you mean? good. What do you mean? The opening scene of the movie, I think, was just my favorite Which scene. Was, of, like, like the whole, the whole, the whole thing up to the hit up to was the hit. great. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I just thought that was so good. I was mesmerized. I was just like, I was hanging on every single word, and I kind of knew that like the hit wasn't going to go well just because like the plot line of the movie is is like after a fateful near miss in assassin battles his employer so i was just like something's gonna go wrong here it didn't exactly like play out how i expected um but man so good See, just like I didn't the even, waiting i didn't even and... read that i had no idea i assumed he was gonna pull it off which was made it even greater that he didn't yeah jeremy's just like i would have well, be that's where i'd be yeah, yeah. That'd be. good spot i would have got yeah. my heart rate even lower 23 that's my, I, I don't I'm understand like why dead. he couldn't just shoot the woman and just shoot the dude, but I he tried to. I would have just been yeah. like, I would have been like firing rounds, 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 rounds. I would have waited till they did been. it. Um, and, well, he was worried there she was going to close the curtains. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Perfect. Um, uh, all right. so I love how we're all just. You guys are just like I would have got it done. I'm trying to defend them. So he's like he tried to kill him. <laughs> he did his best, guys. Jesus, God. Uh, I do have a question that I genuinely don't know the answer to and it bothered me um and this can sort of take us also into the question of the ending which i think we all just didn't like but why did he why of all the people did he leave the billionaire alive okay so well i don't think it was a billionaire but my my understanding was that like he said he was the billionaire he didn't he didn't he was he was sort of in in the sort of corp this sort of like corporate espionage way was removed so much from the process that he didn't know what was happening. <clears throat> yeah. Right? That was my so understanding. He, he wasn't guilty of anything. Right. Yeah. So 
but there had to have been a reason Fincher made that guy a billionaire that he let live. I mean, he must be saying something there. And he killed the cab driver. <laughs> yeah, he killed the poor little cab driver and left the billionaire alone. And maybe he's just saying it really, he has, this guy has no loyalties at all. Like, it's just an example of it doesn't matter one way or another. If that guy's not involved enough, I won't kill him. But why would he even show up? Why would he show his face? That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, I, I just, that, that part bothered me. And then I did not understand what Fincher was trying to accomplish with the ending. Um, I mean, I think the ending was trying to justify everything that he just did. It was trying but to show that, us that, that relationship. So, like, like, that right there seems so formulaic and boring. What? But this story is a little formulaic. Just the like, fact that he did all that, then they're sitting, you know, enjoying the beach and the pool, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with this movie a little bit, is that it is kind of formulaic. Oh, man, I, it's, I, it's, I was hoping you guys would have some sort of reasoning to justify, like some sort of thought-provoking, oh, I, I missed well, that. Well, you said but... this is what you've been doing since you watched it. You've been trying to, like, find out why it's better. And I've been that. I've been there before. I've done there. I've been there with Nolan movies a lot, especially, like, after first viewings. I've been, like... I know, like, I feel like I sh- this movie was better than what I f- I am feeling. I remember specifically it happened with The Dark Knight Rises when I watched it. I was just like, this c- movie couldn't have been this bad, right? Like, this, like, and I was trying to find reasons that I liked it or that it was better. So I've been there. I get it. But yeah. some- I think in this case, it's just like. It is what it is. Yeah. I think, like, you can give so much credit to, um, Fincher as the filmmaker but I think if you want to like classify the director as the person that's in ter- like responsible for the whole product there is a little bit to criticize here yeah definitely well um, <clears throat> there you have it I guess uh, we'll wrap up that we're Hopefully, I'm thinking, right, we're all going to be able to see another director in another movie we really, uh, another director we really love in Ridley Scott with Napoleon for the next one is the idea. Um, when's the, this has to be the biggest killer's row of new movie. Shape in a while, yeah. Shape and peeing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we Where went we from Scor- to? Scorsese to Fincher to Ridley Scott three in a row yeah. that's pretty epic for uh new <clears throat> movies are we gonna get to the box office discussion oh yeah i'd love yeah, to do let's that do it. okay well uh i know you guys will be happy to hear um that the marvels debuted the lowest of any marvel Bond. film and then the second week it dropped 78 percent and it looks like it will not make a hundred million dollars, which is so. Is that it for? Mar- Are we done finally? I don't is know. It over? I mean, well, that's what is I wanted to talk. Over? That's what I want to talk to you guys about. What do you guys think? I mean, what does this mean for Marvel? Um, you know, uh, mi- what was the first? What was the first one of this movie called? I forget. Miss Marvel or Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel was was like an insane hit. It w- it made a billion dollars worldwide, um, and this sequel will. Probably not do a hundred million. Why 
why do you think that is, Chapin? Like, what is what are people? Well, are I, people think, just... I, I think there's a lot of, um, well, I don't know. There's a lot of sexism. I think this is kind of like a. But wasn't the first one about the yeah, about yeah. and it's directed by a black woman. Um, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I don't think anyone knows that. Like, I, I, I have a theory. Speaking of, I mean, it's, it's not know? good. I think it's also just Did not it... good. That's never magic. In com- in comparison to five years ago, maybe three. I, I let's just say pre-pandemic, just for argument's sake. God, it doesn't really matter at the time. How many people even fucking knew the Marvels was coming out, and when? Like, there is a big difference in like how these movies are marketed now in terms of theatrical I actually, releases. I actually don't think that's true. I I there's got to be. I was like, thinking I heard about this, nothing about. I was thinking this. about this movie. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, re- don't remember the occasion, but for some reason, Ridley and I went through, I got her a happy meal. I think at somebody's birthday party, like months ago, like in the summer. And there was a, Mar- a Marvel's toy in it. Hmm. And, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like I don't see. TV spots like I used to. I don't see like well, you've cut, billboards. You've cut I don't the, see cut the cord, right? I, I have YouTube TV. I have I have network TV on all day on Sundays. Like it's you know it's. I just feel like there's not the same type of like publicity for these movies coming out. Like I, as much as I never wanted to see them, I always knew the next Marvel movie that was coming. Do you think any and of I it has to do with the SAG strike? <clears throat> Uh, possibly because there's no uh, way for any of them to promote it. Like, do you think it would make that big of a difference? It, it's possible. I mean, Brie Larson is a big star. Um, and then I also think like, this is the easy answer, but there is just like a massive oversaturation. There's so much Marvel stuff on TV on Disney plus, And like, you just can't watch it all. And I think it's also just, getting so diluted that the product that was not good to begin with is now getting even worse. I mean, I, I agree with that, but I don't know if that has anything to do with this box office stuff, because up until this point, anything that was MCU made a ton of money. I I actually don't think that's true. Um, I mean, I think Ant-Man didn't bomb quite in this. The Eternals did terribly. Eternals did bad. Well, that was a COVID thing, I think, but yeah, um, I mean, I think it's I think it's is, good. I think it's I think it's really good. I mean, I, I uh, it's Marvel related because the box office has been fine, all things considered. Obviously, July was huge, um, but then I mean, there's been well, some I wanted, weird I, things. I wanted like, to talk about killers. That's what the next thing I wanted to do. Yeah, I'm not surprised that doesn't didn't do well. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think we've we've and we talked about this a little bit on our our um, group chat, um, but. Yeah, I mean, I think, as I understood it, like, one of the benefits of these filmmakers, Fincher, um, you know, Ridley Scott, uh, certainly Scorsese, um, sort of having their films either completely funded or partially funded by a streaming service, is that the box office sort of doesn't matter anymore. So when you look at a film like The Irishman, um, you know, which had a budget what approaching 200 million dollars right maybe more um the highest looks like 250 um you know it's no longer it's it 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 doesn't have i think the sort of the advantage for a filmmaker 
being on a streaming service is that they, it, the, the box office performance sort of doesn't matter anymore because they don't really release these movies anymore like that. Netflix doesn't release, didn't release The Killer in the same way that um, The Killers of the Flower Moon was was released because that was a Paramount and Apple joint venture. And I think Scorsese wanted his movie to be released in theaters. And it didn't do great. It's uh, in its fifth week and has made $63 million, which is you know, roughly the same unadjusted for inflation as Goodfellas did 30 years ago, 35, 33 years ago. Um, and, you know, he's got one of the biggest stars in the world, one of the most seasoned actors of all time. And I think, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, what I think is interesting is that these filmmakers are buoyed by these budgets. Fincher had $150 million for ki- The Killers. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon was 200 if you believe Jeremy, 250 These budgets are insane. And if they were just going on their box office uh, returns, would be complete bombs. But because they live on these streaming services afterwards, they are somehow not that. They are sort of not necessarily subjected to the scrutiny of of the box office um so i'm interested to see what you guys think about that well but what do you want to know is it why are these movies not making money in the theaters or does it just not matter anymore well i mean because like killers like to be honest with you like my gut instinct is that people just didn't want to go see that specific movie in the theater for three and a half hours. Like, it's not like long movies haven't done really well at the box office. Like, Avatar obviously was three hours long and made a ton of money, and a lot of the Marvel movies have been that. But those are, like, such different types of movies than Killers, with which, despite its big stars, like, every trailer shows you that it's kind of a slow burn. Like, and I don't think it's a particularly slow movie, but just from the outside looking in, you're like, am I going to spend three and a half hours at the theater. It was hard. The day I went to see it, I had to figure out if I could make something I had to go to at nine o'clock no, I under- when I went to a four thirty showing. Like that's insane. I understand, like, Lee, I understand that. And that but, impacts But it. what I'm saying is like, I would, I would guess, I'm not sure, but I would guess that's that Scorsese fought for this theatrical release. And I think, it's it's a it's a it's a scrutiny that I don't think he needs, and that he doesn't live up to. And but he doesn't. But like that, you these said, are different he conversations. He doesn't though. care either. I don't. I You're think saying, he. I think he does care. I don't think he but does. Why at this point? But I don't why? Think he does. Like, why would you? What difference does it make? Is he not going to get the budget he wants for his next movie? Like he definitely will. Well, I don't know. I mean, he he maybe, but like in this old model which I think Scorsese is trying to embrace, he would not get the budget. He would not be able to do this. He would get the, you know, he would but get do the you, don't Paramount you think they, 40 million that he got for, for silence, which in retrospect seems at $40 million, you know, a quarter of what, uh, a fifth of what, of what, um, killers cost. But, was still a bomb. I, but I still, 
like so but those both things can be true he can look at that and be like shit like i really wanted this to make money in the theaters and he can also go and say hey whoever i'm making my next movie i need 400 million dollars and they'll be like all right sure but i also think i think apple bit apple bakes into their uh, you know what financials it being on the the streaming platform when they go and do it and the problem is and what i can't figure out tax thing for the for apple. well forgetting apple's <laughs> like, a tech company i'm just even talking about like even netflix or whatever like we just don't know how much money they're making on each individual streaming thing and they we, have calculate we do calcula- you know how much they're making per yes you can watch. take your you can take what what you pay for apple tv and multiply it by 25 million no no i'm talking about no, per, per watch movie. per movie oh okay yeah yeah they're not going to release that information and or i don't yeah i don't know if they have to now with the strikes um but that's the problem i i don't I don't quite understand in the economics. I don't quite understand how anything is getting made when everything is still getting made when, you know, according to everybody, everything's losing money, but that's clearly not the case. They are making money once it gets onto streaming. So they've probably baked into the fact that killers of the flower moon, of course they wanted it to do well at the box office, but I'm guessing they knew that this three and a half hour movie wasn't. I'm talking about Scorsese being a commercial film, filmmaker i think i know but we've said that i don't think that that matters anymore the guy's like 80 years old okay that's fine but you know you've got nolan making oppenheimer which is an enormous hits in the just in the theaters makes nearly a billion dollars worldwide off a budget half as much as killers better movie If if Scorsese had made The Dark Knight, I think Killers would have made more money. No, no, that's not fair. Yes, that's not that, fair. I'm not. I'm not trying to criticize Scorsese. I'm just saying there are certain things that draw people, and right now Nolan is one of two directors that draw people to the theater. Scorsese hasn't been one for a long time, and DiCaprio still is. Has he ever been? But not one? necessarily. Scorsese. Yeah. That's a good I question. Mean, maybe. I don't know if he's like, ever not, really not been to one. the extent of those guys for sure, but I think that there was a time where people would go to see his movies, but he was never you could never sell a movie with to that extent like you can with Cameron or Nolan, but those guys are like one of two. And so you can't say like Oppenheimer made a ton of money. Like that's just Of course you Nolan's can. movies make a ton of money. Yeah, but you can't compare it to Killers of the Flower but, Moon. But, but Lee, to the to the average person, it's just a movie. It's 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 uh And to the average person, they care so much more about Nolan's movies right now than Scorsese's. Right, as they should, because like, it's a better movie. It's a better fold. movie. And it and it No, it, I'm not talking not... about the individual movie. I'm talking about Nolan. The average person know. will see a Nolan movie true. before Scorsese. And it's a hundred percent true. I think I don't I, I And I you would... also can't equate box office to better movie. Well, no, I just know that because I've seen both, and I know which one is the better. Well, movie. I know you like the yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we get it, and, but that's not what we're should, talking you guys about. You should too, and if it comes down to the fixies, and I get those a Mormon, you know. Okay, looking forward to that conversation. <laughs> Chapin, I feel like there is something you want to tell us about this. Like, there's I, something. I think, it's, you... I think it's very interesting that Scorsese insists on this theatrical release because I think that's what it is, and I think. It's interesting that it reveals that this movie is not 
particularly popular with with people. With the but humans. Don't all don't like almost all these directors try to push for the theatrical release, even if they're working I, with streaming. Like, I'm sure they do. I the mean, kill, the, killer the killer had a small think, one. Like I they all if have. You, if you like, want. Academy recognition, you have to have a theatrical release. But right. the killer, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon was a huge, was a normal theatrical release. Okay, so I, I just, I guess so I don't you, understand. You're trying, you're trying to say we're getting it. Scorsese is. You're annoyed that Scorsese. I'm not annoyed. St- he's he's one of the worst directors <laughs> that's ever no made no. Movies. I I I love Scorsese. What I think is interesting is that he looks at his movie that he spent 250 million dollars, which I think is interesting. That some uh, reporter said it's like Apple spilling a cup of coffee, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty true. And I see. I picture. I picture like a like. An exec's like nephew in like his dad's suit, like is in charge of all the financials for Killers of the Flower Moon. I mean, it's it's unlikely Apple Apple TV is making money, but whatever. Um, so he he wants to get his movie in theaters as he has his whole career, and it comes out and it doesn't do well. And I think I, what's what's interesting to me about that is that. Um, I think there is this feeling that, like, yeah, I want this theatrical theatrical experience. I want the populace to experience my movie, which to me, I think, is sort of the opposite of the economics of Netflix, which is that, or Netflix or Apple TV, which is that we're gonna make a movie that's gonna that's gonna compete for Best Picture, might win Best Picture, um, and we've already won Best Picture with this little movie about deaf people. We're gonna do this, and and it's worth the two hundred fifty million we're paying for it for the prestige of that. The economics of it does not work out. We're not gonna make two hundred. We're not gonna make our money back on it. We're not gonna get ten million subscribers so that they can watch Killers of a Flower Moon. It's just it's not gonna happen. But, but I gonna- think I also think you're you're focusing too much on the economics of it. I honestly think it comes down to the fact that he is Martin Scorsese. He is, uh, you know maybe the greatest living director and he believes that humans should go to movie theaters to experience movies he thinks that's very important i don't I to- think it has I, t- a- I totally agree but but going to else? the movies is going to a movie theater filled with people i think he just wants so- i think he thinks inherently like spielberg does that Movies should be seen on the big screen. Right, right, Jeremy. But 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 Spielberg understood when he made a movie about his own life that he can't spend two hundred million dollars on it. That he can spend forty or thirty million dollars. Yeah, but on we've it. talked about this a million times. It's like the it's one banana, Michael. What could it cost? Ten dollars? Like it's the Scorsese doesn't know. <laughs> he has no fucking clue. And nobody's gonna tell him otherwise. How much this stuff costs? So like when he's just like yeah. And then we'll put it in theaters, and it'll make a ton of money. And then they're like, Scorsese, it only made like $60 million. Oh, that's amazing. We only spent $10 million on it, right? <laughs> like, right. we're not sure well, he I, understands I, yeah, how this all works. No, that's true. I'm, all right, I'm done with this. I, I, I made my point. I don't know but... why this, Chapin, I feel like you you got annoyed. Like, you 
riled yourself up. <laughs> we weren't even disagreeing with you. That's, I feel like you just kept I don't, riling that is, yourself that up. That doesn't sound like me, Jeremy. I don't think I ever <laughs> no. riled He's never argued, no. argued with himself before. That was like the literal, literally like the entire year and a half tape and I lived with each other. We were arguing about stuff that we agreed on. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, all right. that's going to do it for this very contentious Great edition pod, of the Get Your Film Fixed podcast. Uh, like we said, Napoleon, hopefully will be our next one. We got a couple uh, podcasts coming I wanted, out. I hopefully. wanted to say um, I, I got a report from her mom uh, that Ridley was listening to the radio and there was a, some report about Napoleon and she was wondering why they mentioned her name. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so There you have it. It's amazing how physically exhausting it can be to do nothing. If you're unable to endure boredom, this work is not for you.